In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus addresses a suffering church called the church at Smyrna. And maybe you are suffering right now. Maybe you're going through something and you're wondering, does the Lord know? Does he care? Does he know about my situation? Is it going to end at some point? Well, Jesus is going to say, I understand your suffering and I want you to hang in there. And we're going to learn more about Smyrna suffering. And I pray it'll minister to you today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. We are in Revelation chapter 2 tonight. We are going to look at the church of Smyrna. The message tonight is Smyrna's suffering, Revelation 2. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 11, and I will tell you, just about a week ago, I was tuned in to focus on the family. I think I was headed to the church, and I had the privilege once again to hear from Johnny Erickson Tata. And if you've, uh, are you familiar with Johnny? You know that she had a diving accident when she was 18. She dove into the ocean, hit a sandbar, and became a quadriplegic. So she, over the years, she's amazed people with her ability to paint with a paintbrush in her mouth and her joyful attitude, her singing voice. She's got a wheelchair ministry that reaches all over the world, and she has really uh, used her suffering as a platform to reach many, many souls and to go deeper with God. And among the many amazing things that she said that were so humbling during that broadcast, one thing that she said is that she and her husband, I think his name is Ken, had a chance to go to the Holy Land, and she had uh, really longed to go to the Holy Land for many, many years, and she ended up at the Pool of Bethesda. And the Pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5 is the place where Jesus did that miraculous healing of the man who said that he wants to get into the water, but before the water, he can get into the water, somebody else goes before him, and Jesus heals the man. And Johnny said it was late in the afternoon, there was nobody around, they're at the pool of Bethesda, and she said many, many times in her heart and mind, she had pictured this scene where all these crippled people were around the pool, and Jesus was there, and she imagined herself there. And what I thought was coming was that she imagined herself being healed by Jesus at the pool. But she said she began to praise God uh, that afternoon at the pool of Bethesda for her, him not healing her. She began to thank him for not being healed. And I wonder if any of us have ever had a prayer where we began to thank God for not being healed. I mean, I was a little taken back by why she said that. And then she said, and the reason is, is because I've known a depth with God because of my suffering and had a platform to the world that I wouldn't have had any other way. And she, she, I think she's conjectured over the years what may have happened to her had she not had the diving accident, what she would have gone on to be. Not that long ago, on a Sunday morning, we looked at... Um, Another man named Nick Vujicic, who has no arms and no legs. He actually has tiny little legs, little flippers, which he does amazing things with. And we talked about how people um, just jam into stadiums to see this man. They hug him, and he gives everybody hope, and he has no arms and no legs. And 
what we get a glimpse into when we see lives like this, and, and I think it's very humbling when you take a look at these lives, is you get a glimpse into people who suffer probably more than any of us could ever imagine. Now, some of you are going through your own suffering. You've had seasons of serious suffering, and, and I'm sure you have your question marks, and I certainly have mine when times of suffering occur. But one thing I want you to know is that every worldview has to deal with the issue of suffering. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian, an agnostic, and an atheist. You know, if you believe in an Eastern religion, whatever you believe, you have to face the reality of suffering in the world because it's here and we all go through it. And the questions that we really have, you know, hard questions come at the Christian faith from atheists and agnostics about why we suffer. How could a God of love allow us to suffer? But if you ever listen to the atheists and the agnostics, I'll tell you their answers when it comes to suffering are not terribly exhilarating. They really have no answers. They think it's just random luck in a chance universe. They think it's just the roll of the dice and nobody's really rolling the dice anybody, anyway. But in the Christian worldview, there is a view into suffering that helps at least make sense of it in part. And here's some of what it is. You cannot really grow as a Christian unless you experience some suffering. Now, none of us enjoy elongated periods of suffering. And we certainly all know that there's going to be a time when we suffer and we leave this planet. We all have to face our own mortality. But we're going to look at a little church in Asia Minor with just a few verses tonight. And we're going to deal with the issue of suffering and we're going to have to take it head on. And I will tell you right up front, it's not my favorite subject. I don't plan Bible studies. Hey, you know what? Let's talk about suffering tonight. <laughs> what do you guys think? Right? But, but here, as we move through the scriptures, we're going to deal with a suffering church. And you may be suffering tonight. And you may be asking big questions about suffering. Or you may be watching someone else go through suffering, and you're asking some questions as well. I will say this. If we don't preach suffering as part of the Christian worldview, that some people who become Christians are going to suffer, then we have not preached the fullness of the gospel. I think it is unfair to people to say to them, just come to Jesus and everything's just going to be peachy keen. Right? Wrong. We all know that when you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that you just have smooth sailing. Now, the weight of sin is removed off your shoulders and you are forgiven and, and you're right with God and all of that is beyond what I could even speak with words. But at the same time, we know we have an enemy, we have a broken world and we have this flesh and the world and the devil that we all have to deal with. And it's not an easy battle. And Christians tend to, we, we, we put on our Christian face. How you doing? Bless, brother. Bless. But sometimes we're not doing great. And really, when we give each other the right to speak openly and freely about our suffering and even our disappointment with ourselves in suffering, have you ever... Uh, looked at yourself and said, Lord, I failed to love that person well while they were suffering. Have you ever experienced some of those guilt feelings? Like somebody's going through stuff and you just don't know what to do for them. So you, you almost feel helpless. You feel weird and awkward. And, you know, those all can be situations that we go through. I want to read a few quotes as I, I shared a message on the purpose of suffering some years ago. 
And here's uh, something from Norman Geisler in his Baker Encyclopedia of Christian Apologetics. He says, what we do know is that there is a good purpose for much evil. Warning pains have a good purpose. In fact, the ability to have pain has a good purpose. For if we had no nervous system, we could destroy ourselves without even feeling any pain. Also, physical pain can be a warning to save us from moral disaster. As C.S. Lewis has noted, pain is God's megaphone to warn a morally deaf world. We know that oftentimes people come to faith in their greatest pain. Why? Because when you're in pain and you're suffering, you have, you're out of options. You can't fix it. And when you can't fix it, you have to look up. And sometimes faith is born in the cauldron of adversity, if you know what I'm saying. We, we have no other options, and we're driven to God. Ben Franklin said, those things that hurt instruct. We become Christians, and we go through seasons of pain, and we're like, Lord, what are you doing in my life? But sometimes we go deeper with God than we ever would have gone before had we not had pain. As C.S. Lewis put it, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. And this is the life that we face as Christians, as believers. Charles Swindoll says, It's my observation that in the school of life, suffering is a required course in the curriculum. It is never an elective. And we never graduate out of this course either. Our tendency is to find an escape from the hurts so that we can somehow feel better and we'll do anything to feel better rather than to let hurt run its course. Carl Young, I think is how you say it, Swiss psychiatrist, now dead, wrote, neurosis is always the substitute for legitimate suffering. Isn't that insightful? An insightful statement, says Swindoll. By circumventing and by attempting to escape, by getting away from the pain or the hurt, we build the neuroses of our lives, and they often take the place of legitimate suffering. Sometimes we want to rescue ourselves and others from suffering, and that's understandable. But sometimes the best thing that we can do is go through it and shed our tears and go through the healing process, and we often are better. You've been listening to the Walk in Truth weekend program. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Philip Yancey, after wide-ranging research into the topic of suffering, wrote these words. He said, quote, As I visited people whose pain far exceeded my own, I was surprised by its effects. Suffering seemed as likely to reinforce, reinforce faith as to sow agnosticism. Scottish theologian James S. Stewart said, It is the spectators, the people who are outside looking at the tragedy, from whose ranks the skeptics come. It is not those who are actually in the arena and who know suffering from the inside. Indeed, the fact is that it is the world's greatest sufferers who have produced the shining examples of unconquerable faith. Just think for a moment at the, at the legendary stories that you're familiar with of people who have uh, exercised the greatest acts of love and sacrifice. Of course, 
The preeminent example is Jesus himself who entered into our pain. We worship him, we laud him, we celebrate him because he suffered in our, on our behalf. Uh, he suffered in our place, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. And so Jesus is our example. Helen Keller shared these words, although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of overcoming it. And this book, this book of Revelation, is a book about overcomers. To he who overcomes, Jesus says oftentimes, I will do this, I will do that. I will give you uh, your share in the tree of life. I will give you a new name. I will do this and I will do that. To him who overcomes, to her who overcomes. This is what this book is about. It's about overcoming faith. It's about a person who can look at the fierce lion in the arena, face persecution and temptation and struggle, face, you know, being shunned by family, face disease and difficulty, and still say, it is well with my soul. And that is what tonight is about. Would you pray with me, Father? As we look at Smyrna's suffering, uh, I believe you have an appointment for all of us to be here tonight, to hear these words. And so we're just going to say, like you've said in the book, we're going to pray Let us have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To this church tonight, to anyone who will hear this later, watch this video, hear my voice on the website or the radio at a future date. May you, Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to your church, that you walk in the midst of your people, you're in the midst of the lampstands, you love us and you will see us to the finish line. Father, give us faith tonight. Increase our faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The second letter uh, of the seven to the church of Smyrna is located in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 8. As I've mentioned, we're going to deal with seven churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And as we deal with these churches, I just want to show you the historic location of Smyrna. Uh, Asia Minor is actually modern-day Turkey, and Smyrna is on the coast there. Uh, Today, its name is Itzmir. And it's located, of course, in modern Turkey, right there on the coast of the Aegean Sea. There are ruins in this area that you can search on the internet. These are just a few that I'd like to show you. They've done some archaeological digs in this area, but the area is quite populated, so there's still quite a bit going on there. But uh, here are some of the ruins, some of the ancient ruins that you can see. And a lot of these Bible locations, when you do some research on them, you can see that there are ruins and visitor sites and centers and that kind of thing that you can do some research on. In many of these places, you'll find that there was an agora, A-G-O-R-A. And the agora was basically the town square or the place that you walked up to some of the religious sites. This happens to be the agora in Smyrna. Smyrna was a town that was selected for one of the temples to the emperor. They, they put their hat, uh, their hat in the ring. They were among like 10 cities, and they were chosen to build a temple for the emperor. So there was the imperial cult emperor worship going on here. Um, this is kind of the agora area, the lower agora, these uh, neat-looking arches that you can see today. And this is a statue of a lion that dates back to this time And many of the Christians in these situations, because Rome was dominating the world, had to face uh, the lion, and they had to face the Colosseum and all of these difficulties as they went through uh, their trials. Uh, Smyrna is the one of only two churches in the seven that is not criticized by Jesus. There's no criticism given. There's only encouragement given. 
And I will say this to you, the other church of the seven that gets no criticism is the church of Philadelphia. So only two of the seven get no criticism. Smyrna is one of them. And I don't think that means that Smyrna was a perfect church because as you know, there are no perfect churches, right? The old saying is, you know, somebody says, I don't want to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites in the church. And somebody says, well, if you find a church with no hypocrites, don't join it because you'll ruin it, (laughs) right? Look, we're all, as Christians, we don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to be false, but sometimes we deal with hypocrisy that is on the inside. You know, sometimes we manifest something on the outside, but it's not really what's going on on the inside. So we can wear a mask as well. Now, we don't want to be a true phony like Judas was. He wore a mask. He was a true phony. But sometimes we struggle with a level of hypocrisy. And I'm saying this because even though Jesus does not criticize the church, I think one of the reasons that he doesn't, and this is my own personal opinion, is because they're going through so much suffering. We don't want to kick people when they're down. So you may have a legitimate criticism of somebody, And it's legitimate for you to speak the truth in love, but you may want to wait if they're going through a time of hard suffering, amen? It's not the time to rattle off a bunch of things that they do wrong when they're going through suffering. You can pick another time for that. And if you failed in that area and you've kicked somebody when they're down, join the club. I've done the same thing. I I found myself not being as sensitive as I should be to other people's sufferings. And then when you go through your own suffering, then you go, gee golly, now I'm starting to get an idea of what other people go through. (laughs) Forgive me, Lord. Ever had one of those moments? Oh, forgive me, Lord. I can can be callous to other people's suffering, and I don't want to do that. Now, the church of Smyrna is a church that is going through tribulation, as I mentioned. They're going through suffering, and they're going to learn some deep things about Jesus. Notice In Revelation 2.8, it says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The first and the last who is dead and has come to life says this. If you uh, like to write in your margin of your Bible, you could just say, Thus says the Lord, because Jesus is the Lord. He's about to speak to the church at Smyrna. Uh, Turn to the book of 1 Peter for a second, just a few pages back towards the Gospels. 1 Peter 5 is, Peter is dealing with the suffering church. 1 Peter 5 He says these words, 1 Peter 5, verse 6. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. That's 1 Peter 5, 7. Written to a suffering church. When we're suffering, we have a lot of anxiety. And the... um, Remedy for our anxiety, at least one remedy, one big remedy for anxiety is to cast all your anxiety to the Lord because he cares for you. He wants you to cast all of it, not some of it, and he wants you to do it because he loves you, which is awesome. Notice the context. Be of sober spirit. The very next verse is the warning about the devil because when we don't cast all our anxiety upon God and we carry it and we get weighed down, we become prey for the enemy. It says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Sometimes when we're going through suffering, we isolate ourselves. We're like the deer by the water in those hunting videos on National Geographic when the lion's hunting and the little skittish deer is by the water and it's all alone away from the the rest of the pack and you say, get out of the house, (laughs) run away, right? And it's a... And it doesn't know what's about to come. So 
when we go through pain, we can tend to isolate ourselves. We can tend to maybe, instead of praying, we do pity parties. And look, that's very human. But the encouragement here is to cast all of our anxiety. We're stronger that way. And we, we resist him, verse 9, 1 Peter 5, firm in our faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by our, our brethren who are in the world. And notice it says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. If you go to chapter 2 for a second, as Peter deals, 1 Peter 2, with suffering as his topic to this church, he says these words, 1 Peter 2, 21. He says, for you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his step, in his steps, who committed, 1 Peter 2.22, no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we may or might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. We know suffering is not an easy subject to talk about, but Jesus is our great example. You know, he suffered for us, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. That's why Jesus suffered on the cross. He did it for you and for me. He's the great shepherd and guardian of our souls. And if you've been a straying sheep, if you have been walking away from your first love, from the one who is your shepherd and guardian, would you give your soul back to him? Would you say, Lord, I just want to ask you to be my Lord and be my Savior. I'm tired of straying. I want to come back home. You know, as we talk about this issue of suffering, maybe you've been suffering. Maybe that's why you've strayed. You know, that certainly is something that we can understand as we all go through this life. This walk isn't easy. We've been talking about Smyrna's suffering in Revelation 2. And suffering has actually been the topic of a Wednesday night teaching that we started in the book of Job. Yes, the book of Job. If you'd like to catch up, we have five chapters up on the book of Job. You can find out what we've done so far. You can catch up and then come and visit us. You can do all of that when you visit us at walkintruth.com or when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on your app store. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance. The book of Revelation is a very exciting read. It's a very exciting study. And I want to encourage you to go deeper in your study of this particular book. And I want to help you with that. You can go online and order our DVD series about the seven seals, the new heaven and the new earth, the mark of the beast. We even have a teaching on the 144,000 and the great multitude. Now, I know you or someone you know are probably curious about all these topics. That's why we have them available at walkintruth.com. Just click on that store tab and you can check out the products that are there. There are more than that. You can invest in this ministry in your own walk and even in the walk of a friend as you buy these products and pass them along to others. Well, I'm really happy to know that you are listening to Walk in Truth this weekend. 
Please don't let this be your only connection to the body of Christ, to a church family. And friends, of course, you're invited to come to church service today. We have two services at Living Truth this morning at 9 and 11.15 a.m. We're going to look at the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11 and some radical things that were happening in the Corinthian congregation. And we're going to have the privilege of partaking in the Lord's Supper, but we're going to make sure we prepare our hearts to approach the table properly by looking into the Word of God. Now, this morning, we also have the Firm Foundation class. That's a teaching about the basics of the Christian life taught by Professor Joe Kelly. He's a great teacher. He's going to teach us about what discipleship means, the foundations of the Christian faith, and you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in the city of Corona. If you'd like to have an answer for the hope that's in you, make sure you come on out this Sunday to this class. It begins at 9 a.m. during our first service. It's okay. I won't mind that you attend this class. Joe is a great teacher. Just make sure you come to second service and fellowship with us and hear from God's word in 1 Corinthians 11. Now, the church, again, is called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. That's 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. I would love to see you this morning. Make sure you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. If you haven't already done that, you'll always know exactly what's going on at the church. You can listen to messages. There's a lot at your fingertips available. The Living Truth app is available for download for free today, and you can get it by looking for the red logo with the pillars. Now come back on Monday as we continue in Revelation chapter 2 about Smyrna's suffering. Until then, may God richly bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.